Educators Amplified, the podcast. Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well-being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna. And I'm Hallie. We see you. We hear you. We are you. Welcome to Educators Amplified, everybody. We see you, we hear you, we are you. Back again. Yep. Welcome, welcome. Um, so right, we're just really still flying high over having Zach on. We had such a good time with him and we've been getting such great feedback. Get your learn on with Zach. If yes. you didn't go back and get your learn on with Zach. Yes, please. Um but actually stay here. No. <laughs> <laughs> After you listen to this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. um, but we're really excited because we were able to have a really unique collaboration with another podcast. And so let's get a little intro, Joanna, first, just about what we did before we roll that. Yeah, well, we had the opportunity to collaborate with the Busted Pencils radio show and podcast. I love that play on words. I just like the busted, where it's like <laughs> bust, E-D, like education, yeah. busted pencils whatever <laughs> so the busted pencils radio show and podcast man dr tim slecker mm-hmm. is the uh producer and creator of that show and then his partner is um johnny lupinacci they are both teacher educators okay um and so actually johnny's out on the west coast in washington state tim's um actually in ohio right now and so I just always love get you know chatting with them and we have the opportunity to do that because they're literally working in colleges assist trying to recruit and then assisting people on their path to becoming educators and you know, when we're down here in the K-12 system, you can often feel like, like, where do these ideas come from or who's doing what? And it's so it's been a great connection to have um, to really hear how a lot of the things that are impacting our work in terms of really heavy emphasis on rigorous curriculum and standardization is actually impacting things at the college level. But way back when, Tim was actually a big part of Educators Amplified. So yeah. when Educators Amplified first started out as a radio show, Tim was, you know, on our standing panel, which was myself. It was Dr. Tim Slucker when he was the uh, dean of education at Edgewood College. We had Marva Herndon, who's now a Milwaukee school board member, Gail Hicks of Women Informed, Ted Craig from WEAC Region 7 and Earl Ingram Mm -hmm. um, from what at the time was Resistance Radio. Um, But Tim's been a close partner in the fight for public education and the fight for the autonomy, respect and rights of educators. Mm -hmm. Tim, longtime supporter and and fan of public education and in public school teachers. Yeah. So let's just go right into it. We have a 
a great new beginnings collaboration between Busted Pencils and Educators Amplified, the podcast. Enjoy, everyone. We're cool. We're ready to go. Okay, everybody. This is awesome. Hello. Welcome to the first ever Busted Pencils meets Educators Amplified podcast extraordinaire. I'm Dr. Tim Slecker, the creator of Busted Pencils. I am also the co-host of Busted Pencils, and this is going to be an awesome ride. Hey, everybody. I'm Joanna Rosado of Educators Amplified, a Milwaukee area educator and union leader. Hey, everybody. I'm Johnny Lupinacci from Washington State University, and I co-host the Busted Pencils and excited to be here with this with this exciting collaboration today. And lastly, I'm Hallie Schmeling. I'm um, the other co-host of Educators Amplified, the podcast with Joanna. I'm also an educator in the Milwaukee area, and I'm just a huge advocate for public education and care deeply about what children are experiencing in schools. And so, yeah, I'm excited that we're all here together to start this new collaboration. Oh, what a great lineup of awesome people. I mean, we can compliment ourselves. Hey, and here it is. And we are educated educators, and we are amplified, and we are talking education. All right, everybody, true or false right away. The biggest problem facing teachers and students is lack of access to, quote, high quality materials. I'll repeat that again. (laughs) This is the biggest, the biggest issue facing teachers and students is lack of access to high quality materials. Hallie, you're first. (laughs) Um. False. <laughs> Can I okay. just say that? <laughs> okay, false. You're going to have to defend that, so we'll go okay. with the, the, the quick answers. Joanna, true or false? Depends who you ask, but I'm oh. going to say false. <laughs> okay, false. Johnny Lupinacci. I mean, I've got to go with, with the trend here, but it's it's a big capital F false for me. So. Oh, wait a minute, though. I've been in the company okay. of educated other educators who absolutely swear up and down that this is the biggest issue facing uh, students and teachers is the lack of access to, and I put it in quotes, high quality teaching materials, high quality. And the point of this is, is like, wait a minute, students, the disproportionate funding that goes into our public school system creates disproportionate access to materials and if there's disproportionate access to materials that's a problem so if we make high quality materials mandatory for every student won't we do away with the inequities of lack of access well now now yeah i'm I'm going in because um (laughs) our observation as teachers who have been teaching throughout the pandemic is it was not a lack of materials uh, that are, you know, that's not what the students were needing. We actually, that's what got sent along the wire. That's what got sent Mm -hmm. via the Google and via the Zoom um, and picked up at school and, and all of that. So the stuff is available and the stuff is is really not what we saw then and especially not no. what we see now that our students are in need of. Wait a minute. We're not talking about stuff. We're talking about high quality materials. Oh, Hallie, yeah. you were going to interject. I was giving a shout out to our last episode with Zach, where Zach just really said, like, 
All that we offer during COVID was, quote unquote, high quality material. Like that's the only thing we offered through COVID, you know, uh, virtually. And kids are just more having huge mental health crisis just more than ever before. And so it just highlighted how high quality, quote unquote, high quality material isn't the answer. Uh, Johnny Lupinacci, question for you. What are high quality materials? Oh, that's a good question. I was going to ask you that question, man. And now I was going to say when wait, the way you pitched this high quality materials, I thought you were going to open up a suitcase of stuff to sell us because that's <laughs> usually as a teacher, educator and a teacher, that's been, you know, my experience is, is when someone tells me they have high quality materials, I wonder, are, are they high quality for my students and for how my teaching team and I teach? Are they situational, local and in support of kind of the empowerment and education that often teachers know their students really need. So I agree there is oftentimes right, disproportionate funding for quality materials. I also, my experience is, a little, is with a little bit of caution around when someone tells me they have high quality materials, they don't often fit the need of the learners and, and the educators in that particular context. And so I'm always a little bit cautious, like we got just what you need. And when I take a look at it, it's expensive and often not at all what we need. Where do high quality materials come from? Because I think I heard Johnny and Joanna and maybe even Hallie leaning that you all yourselves might have a thought about what it actually makes high quality materials. Am, am, I, am I just sensing the fact that as teachers and teacher educators, you feel like you have something to say about what is high quality? Yeah, and I think that now's a great time. I mean, because it's always been up for discussion. Um, but again, really now, because high quality materials too, a lot of time just means super standardized, you know, one size fits all. Align with the test. Align with the test. Here's the pacing guide type stuff. And while that was never a good idea, it just seems if if people if there's if there are educational institutions right now being like this is the issue and this is the solution, they're really then not identifying the problem mm -hmm. um, because this just seems so like a 2015 conversation. Um, it really, it's just, yeah. I don't know how anyone, you know, in the biz right now could be like, aha, what's, what's the issue? What's missing the stuff. We all know that there's staffing shortages. There's a lot of unpredictability within the profession and just in the student's daily experience, um, because of the staffing shortages. And so, Oh, this is a big one right now of like, we actually need the people mm -hmm. more than the stuff. And in Educators Amplified, we've been um, literally part of in our area, uh, a movement about people, not products, <laughs> saying like, when we really look at the amount of money we're spending on some of these products versus what you could be paying professionals to create the things that Johnny mentioned, like local situational you know, more uh, personalized, human-centered, you know, you know, I can always swing it in that other direction. 
Yeah, you're going back to humans, and we're going to get to humans. <laughs> Hallie, I, Hallie, Hallie's sitting. For those of you who don't have the opportunity to enjoy this on Zoom, I can see Hallie sitting there looking very much like, hmm, I got something to say. So say it, Hallie. <laughs> well, I just, it is hard for me to hear that. So right, I what I'm doing is I'm picturing you, Dr. Hmm. Tim, sitting in a room with, right, a bunch of other highly educated doctors talking about what's the best thing to do in education. And I'm like, and the conversation is high quality material. You know what Wait, I mean? <laughs> I, I paid a lot of money to make a decision like that. I mean, to be called myself doctor and then to be able to tell you what right. to do. Come on. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah, and we're playing that, but but that that's interesting to to hear you say it that way because one of the other questions I have around this is, well, who who decided, right? Who made yeah. that decision? And that's what you're talking about. Possibly then, uh, yeah, some pinhead like me sitting <laughs> as a, as an academic administrator in teacher education, I'm just sitting there going, I haven't been in a classroom, you know, a real classroom in many years seems to me the biggest issue facing teachers right now is the fact that they just don't have really good materials and you know what let's make sure that we have access to materials and all will be well i made that decision based on what did i talk to you did i ask you so johnny as a teacher educator the materials that your future teachers are going to use who decides or maybe the question let's frame it this way who should decide materials, pedagogy, instruction, time. Who should be making these decisions? Now you're putting me on the spot with these big, big questions, Tim, but I guess that's what we do, right? We tackle yeah, big questions. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to overcomplicate it, but, but immediately I start to think of, uh, you know, my, my teacher identity. I would hope that teams of students and teachers who feel that they're, they have some they have the confidence and support to do that together. So I would like it localized to, to schools as much as possible. And I know that gets, it gets difficult because that un, that unloads more responsibility and more work on teachers. So where it gets complicated is, is there going to be structured time in place for teachers and their students to be making some of those decisions about the curriculum? So um, for me, it's some kind of hybrid of partnerships between, you know, people who have experience developing curriculum, aligning it to, you know, national and state standards and not doing like the test heavy kind of leaning decisions, but really towards like what is what are good learning experiences together in teams within districts and schools, even if it's individual schools, teams of teachers who get to work with their students around that. It involves different, I hate to say levels, but different stakeholders in that process and centers around students and teachers in that place. When Johnny was talking, it was making me think about a conversation I had just yesterday with a colleague about agency and autonomy mm -hmm. and that in order to collaborate, to create some new cool curriculum with our students, we have to first address the idea of agency and autonomy. Mm -hmm. um, where the, the system that we've been working in skips right to collaboration. And collaboration actually is really compliance in a way um, because and, and this is a teacher who teaches in the traditional system. And he was sharing with me how 
with no agency, with no autonomy, the collaboration is just talking about standards and like numerical results. Mm. And one, that's not very useful, you know, for the immediate needs. But then also, again, it's not very purposeful. So anyway, that was going through my mind when Johnny was talking, this whole idea of, you know, agency and autonomy before collaboration and creation even. Hallie. Well, I just think about like kind of zooming out even more that like, right, in jest, I was like, how can doctors sit in a room? But I am a teacher and I do believe in education, obviously. And I do think it's highly professional people sitting in the room. But I don't know how much even you have autonomy, like how much of politics is involved in this that I feel like, and then, and then, well, I should add to, and then we're in this top down structure. So it's like the people at the top who's probably politicians or something trickling down their ideas and it just gets lost through the grapevine and then it gets to the teacher and I'm like, none of what you're saying makes sense at all. But we don't have a system that wants to hear from us, that values our expertise. It's all very dictated and just has to go down the line. Honestly, this is just so hard. Like even hearing in a way your questions Mm-hmm. All old questions do not apply to this new situation. You guys, oh. you've got no idea mm-hmm. what it is like in these classrooms right now. So even the people posing the questions, like it is so hard for us where we're like, it's like n- nothing's relevant. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So the illustration question of high quality materials true or false really again was you know misleading and uh, possibly because you really now are getting at what i think what we really wanted to talk about which is you know compliance agency all of those things but i heard you say it hallie system System, And if we talk about a system of mandated compliance, Mm -hmm. of course, then mandated curriculum. I love what you said, Joanna. Mandated collaboration. um, Mandated uh, data analysis. Uh, It's just like, wait a minute. How is it possible? And like you said, Joanna, the fact that what I was actually angling for was getting back to a normal system, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I'm the big mistake there is assuming that the normal system was working before COVID. And right. I'm actually trying to get around this and go, no, we just need to get back to normal quickly so I can get you guys back under compliance again and get you back to working. But the reality is, is that did compliance and mandates and top-down system a a system of education, did it ever work if we talked about a public school system connected, committed to humans, committed to democracy? How, that's the question there, it's a yes or no question, but I don't know if that might've got a little philosophical, but I I wonder though about this because it's, we're talking about a system 
we use the illustration of high quality materials as one example of how the system is an absolute disaster when it comes to what's best for kids, when it comes to what's best for teachers, when it comes to agency. And then, well, okay, how do we change the system? How well, do we the, change the system? The The idea of high quality materials does match the current priority, which is solely academic. Mm-hmm. When, if mm-hmm. you look at public schooling as just an academic endeavor, yeah, then that's why you're talking about high quality mm-hmm. uh, materials. Um, and that's actually what we see as the issue for for students who end up avoiding school or mm-hmm. passively complying is when we have just the, when just that, if that's the focus, if school is just 100 percent ac- uh, academic, which even there's the own their own definition for what academic is, because we call it intellect. We always mm-hmm. focus on the four domains of learning, physical, emotional, social and intellectual. We describe intellectual as exploration and curiosity. But in the traditional system, it's academic. So when we talk about changing the system, we, you know, of course, I would propose that we start looking at all of the needs of students and saying that the majority of their day, their lives, they are in school. And so we should design a system, make a better effort to intentionally engage around those four areas of development instead of just one. Mm, so too much of a rigorous focus on academics, <clears throat> the top-down compliance. I don't know, J- Johnny Lupinacci, I've heard you talk a couple of times about uh, imagining a, a system that lifts justice and democracy. Okay, how do we do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> answer will be given. Yeah. Go. Wait, we, how do we go from true-false to... <laughs> Oh, oh it's and it, it, you know what, and, and Hallie or Joanna jump in, but it's just I, you know, I'm thinking about because I really we we use, again will reflect the question of high quality materials really is leading us into a discussion of how is the system of public education designed to actually not meet the needs of kids, not meet their human needs, not meet their emotional needs, not meet their physical needs, not meet, in fact, Joanna said a hyper focus on a very narrow range of academic issues. Mm -hmm. How do we, when we, when we can see that and, and if you say, well, where's the evidence that the system's broken? How about the fact that, you know, what, what's the uh, quitting rate of teachers right now, new teachers? It's less than three years. It used to be that, you know, we could look at and go, well, new teachers had maybe a five-year lifespan. That's now down three years. The number of teachers that are actually leaving with 10, 15, and 20 years experience, they're on their way out. And from Johnny and I side, you know, the teacher education side, our enrollments of people who want to be mm-hmm. future teachers. Okay, so there's your evidence for anybody who was saying, well, you guys are just talking about a broken system without any evidence. How about the fact that, like you just said, kids are disengaged. We can use Michael Fuller in a ton of his work where he looks at engagement of kindergartners and as they progress through schooling, the disengagement that occurs every year throughout that. Uh, systems broken, teachers quitting, teachers aren't engaged. There, Johnny, now answer the okay. question. All right, you're like, <laughs> you're like stressing me out, man. It's a good... <laughs> 
Uh, it's a good definition of stress stacked. Uh, but uh, I think I think I'll back up to the beginning, and, and I get all the things you're saying, and I think Joanna like really laid this out in in our conversation already, and I like that that we are trying to solve a problem with solutions and questions and all kinds of tools that were probably not even appropriate for past scenarios, and they don't apply right now. We know too much about what doesn't work to keep trying to make it work with the same things. And so I think, I think really when you talk about like, like the affinity that I have for education as a, as a hub, as sort of a, a unifying process around justice and equity and empowerment, I don't always think of schools, but I know mm-hmm. schools can be transformed into those places because it happens all the time in great teachers' classrooms. Mm-hmm. So I want, like for me, that vision, and we talk about it is where do we, you know, really think outside of the box? And I, that even that frame itself, even that kind of that phrase, like kind of I say, and then I hate the taste of it in my mouth because I've heard it so many times <laughs> as a teacher, right? But I mean, like, how do we really get together and say, you know, we know this is not working Tim, you gave us evidence that started to even stress me out and I know all that stuff, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying, like, really, we're living it in very real real ways. It's embodied. We're feeling the suffering of our students, of the families and communities in our schools, and of our brothers and sisters who are teaching in classrooms or bonding around the fact that even our leaders, that, that rate of push out right now and demoralization and real health decline for school leaders is is a very real statistic, right? We're losing principals and superintendents at a pretty alarming rate. Now, teachers, we've normalized this. We're just like, oh yeah, man, we get burnt out quick. We lose people, maybe having heart attacks and high blood pressure and all kinds of stuff, just part of teaching. How do we begin to do differently? How do we begin to reimagine education liberated from schooling and from the kind of violences that demoralizes teachers that harms bodies of both our students and and those adults in the community who are teachers, parapros, right, staff in the school and principals. And I love what Hallie was saying. Really, we get we really have to be humble about this. It's all hands on deck. So like there isn't a, any professor in the world, I don't care how good your book is, right? <laughs> that that you can't roll up on any school and have the solution. We just know it. There's mm-hmm. like I don't think any of the folks writing and leading right now have that expectation. But we have to sort of debunk all that hubris and come with humility to say, how as groups of stakeholders in this together, can we really reimagine what might work? There's amazing teachers in schools that are doing sort of what we call alternative ah. education, right? Who have led this charge for a really long time. And I don't always want to put the spotlight on them either because, I mean, I was in one of those schools too. And it's like, as soon as we got found out, it was like we oh. were normalized faster than we could mm-hmm. we could handle. It was all, every, all hands on deck to see how they're actually assessing this and what are the learning goals. And, like, and really quickly started losing all of that authenticity that we had and that relationship and trust we had in our community 
and with our yeah. students started to, to fade. Johnny hit a lot of things that's really central to the work that you guys do, quote, as, and we'll just say it, as alternative educators right now and whatever that means. But when Johnny talked about schooling versus education, in my conversations with the two of you, you really seem to be talking about the fact that what occurs and what is problematic is what Johnny said, schooling. If we were doing education around the concepts and ideas. So Joanna and Hallie, just for listeners, um, new listeners, particularly to the Extraordinaire podcast combination, give us a sense of the work you do as teachers. Well, okay. It's bigger than even though the work we do as teachers, because like what Johnny just said. And so that's what maybe I'm like the poo poo at the party right now, because I'm like, again, guess what? Reimagine sounds wonderful. Not if you stuff it in the container we have right now. And so that's what we keep coming against that. And you know what? Hell, I'll even give it to the products. Maybe there's some great products. I doubt it. But (laughs) we keep putting it into the same structure. And so when Johnny, too, was talking before about, like, you know, that what, what it can be, part of it is nobody wants to say, you know, they say it peripherally, like maybe, you know, or a little bit. They're like, oh, it causes harm. But nobody says right now, like, what we're doing is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. It's been unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And and so then there's something deeper, even though with the change process, because it just is everybody's schema. Like the schema is what school is right now. And it is very hard for people to detach from that. And so Hallie and I's process as alternative educators has been way more about unlearning Mm -hmm. than learning. And how do you really do that? Keeps going back to some of the things that keep being mentioned here. Like if you really just listen and observe children, you will find your way. You will know Mm. what to do. Like the answers are right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And how frustrating for them that people are always like coming to them being like, no, this is the thing that'll make it better. This is the thing that's going to help you. Like they, even the most dysregulated child can really, when you sit down with them, can really identify their needs and some things that would help and some ways that they'd like to learn. And, you know, or you can pull out of them the strengths you do see where you are like, you do learn through this way. You are making these things. Um, so sorry if that didn't sound really succinct. No, Maybe Hallie wants to add something. But when I hear it, I'm like, we can have all the great yeah. ideas. Like right now, the the point I'm at as a professional is, yes, I've been doing this different thing for 10 years. But it, it's always viewed as something over there in that small space. Keep it contained. Or like Johnny said, don't get found out. There's really not an invitation for the for the larger system no. to change. 
No, be- because the standard or the example of what everyone should be is what exists right now. You know, that is still so pervasive in our schools that like the exemplar, the thing that everyone should do is what we're doing. So when a child can't, it's the fault of the child. Um, and so then oh, I guess we have to offer some alternatives. Um And so what I really think about is I've just really, I don't know how long ago it was, maybe three years into teaching with Joanna, where she really just really was like, do you work for the students or do you work for the administrators? Because they can't be the same thing. And Mm. like, you can't actually do both. And so I really had to switch to like, okay, yeah, I'm here to work for students. Like my priority is doing what's best for students, knowing that whatever, if you listen to our earlier episodes, you'll hear I've had four administrators who do not like me because, and not that I'm out here being flagrant. It's just more like, I'm not just like, oh yes, whatever you say. Oh yes, your Mm. ideas are wonderful. Oh yes, I will be compliant. I just am more like, well, this doesn't really make sense for students. So, right, I've hidden myself in this alternative school. But I'll also say when connecting to what students need, I've just gotten really human. And I think what schools are missing is really development, understanding where children should be developmentally, and also just understanding how we work. Like, we've got a whole nervous system inside of us that, like, really, there are just really pretty simple ways to help people be balanced and calm. And we don't we don't do that in our current structures. And so it's back to now this full circle of like we need to get humble. We need to take the mirror on ourselves and say, okay, in what ways are we helping kids? In what ways are we hurting kids? And how can we fix it? Instead of just shoving stuff into the box and adding on top of what we have to be like, well, this will make it better. This program will fix this. This program will fit that. But never really looking at like, okay, what are we doing here? It should just what feel about- really great. It should yeah. it should feel peaceful and balancing to work in a school or attend a school. Hmm, wait, no, I, I'm supposed to be frightened. No, not, I, no, I, you guys, I'm just talking about, Johnny said a word too, the, the violence of, of schooling and it kind of, it's, I'm hearing Joanna talking a way too, that, you know, we, we, we create harm with students. Hallie talking about the fact that actually, if we were really conscious about what students really need and we're, really in tune with that uh we wouldn't do the things we're doing we wouldn't quote you know if people don't like the word too bad but we wouldn't cause violence to our students we wouldn't as i heard you guys we wouldn't intentionally when we know dysregulate students because the reality of the system is is that it's not healthy for students and i'm also hearing it's not healthy for teachers so the reality then that we're dealing with with the damn high quality materials is, is I'm going to bring it into this and going, you said the word agency, but I'm wondering about can we then in this system, can teachers ever find agency? And if they can, how would we do it? 
And if they did it, would they then know that they're, and I'm going to use the word, fulfilled in the profession? And would that help us keep teachers from leaving and potentially open the doors for people who might want to be a teacher? Joanna. We always, we always, that was Hallie's big breath, but, uh, I'm sorry, Hallie, I deflated you. (laughs) No, but yes. I mean, we always say that's the good news. Like the answers are there. Mm -hmm. The people who care and were, are, are trained and want to, and have the drive to work with students are present and the students are there and getting back to, the essence of humans connecting, yeah, I think could do, it, it's where the hope, that's where I'm like, we'll say things like, we don't need expensive solutions and tons of time. It's kind of like, shift the focus. Well, and I was gonna say, and that's why we have a teacher exodus, because the schema right now is schools should be what they are, and teachers are just nice ladies. And we're to the point where there is such a moral dilemma with this that my heart can't sustain this anymore. That Mm. teachers really are like, I can't keep having this separation. I can't keep, you know, like my heart won't just sustain this. I can't keep being praised for all the quote unquote sacrifices I do. Cause you know, during teacher appreciation week, Mm. it was all, thank you for your sacrifices. I'm like, Mm, I'm a professional. I don't think I should have to be sacrificing my time, sacrificing my mental health, sacrificing my physical health. You know, like it doesn't have to be this complicated. But yet we're in this big issue, like all these things and disconnects and teachers like, I can't. But do they, could they do it in a different system? Could they do it if they had autonomy and agency? Yeah, I, yeah. That's why they went know, Like for anyone, anywhere, what is fulfilling? To make your own choices, to work through your strengths, to be able to contribute something meaningfully and to connect authentically. Mm -hmm. That's like the human experience. Oh, okay. So then the Johnny Lupinacci, the strengths playing to our strengths, um, Joanna and Hallie as teacher educators, Johnny or Joanna and Hallie telling us something we should be listening to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think when 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 we're looking at like where do we go from here, really, where are we at, and what we know, and where do we go from here, I think we're discussing some of those hard truths that have to be part of this. Is is that yeah, stop? We've we've for a long time said stop blaming students, and and really now we're saying like stop blaming students and stop blaming teachers. And it's not you know the system itself is not working. And when are we really going to be willing? to be bold enough to, to radically depart from the current system. And that's kind of, to me, what's, what's situated there. How are we all hands on deck for that kind of work and what that looks like? Um, and and I, I think that's really important. For me, Tim, too, as well, as we're, we're talking around all this, I, I cringe because I hated having to do that same kind of decision that Hallie talked about. Um, because I was good friends with my principal and she was probably one of the best principals I ever had. Mm. But she told me the exact same thing you talked about, Hallie. Like we, we had to make a decision. She looked at me and she said, you're going to have to choose. Mm. Who do you do this job for? And, and I think that was a real aha moment for me 
because we are primarily most of us who teach, I don't know one, and I hope it's all, but most who teach are advocates of children. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that's where like, at, there's so many moment to moment decisions that we make that if you truly believe in children's rights, mm-hmm. right? And I, and I come back to that as an organizing document. Like if we really like honor, like Joanna said, like sit down with kids, their behavior is a communication, even if they're quote unquote difficult learners or difficult behaviors in classroom. All of us teachers who have spent time around children who are advocates of children's learning and, and children themselves as, as humans, we understand that they are communicating all the time their needs. And it's part of our, it ought to be more part of our training, but it's part of our expertise and our craft and our apprenticing with, with veteran teachers who are great at this, to learn to read those behaviors as communication and to help shape classroom and learning in schools around those. You know, and I I don't wanna say like we're fitting it back into the old kind of packaging, but I I can't go enough back to the book, The Power of Their Ideas, right? Remember Deborah Myers and the, the, being the school principal who really decided to do school different. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the kind of school I taught in. And, and it, was really, it was really a hard truth when the principal who I idolized looked at me and told me that that was the choice in front of me. Like, it was real. Like, are yeah. you, you going to have to do, like, because I was like, I don't know what we do in this situation. She's like, I know what I have to do. Right. But I also know what I hope you do because you have to be in, are you an advocate of children? And, and from that, not exact moment, because it took me some time to process it. But from that day forward, it was really, what does, what does education liberated from schooling look like when you center children's rights? And there's a wonderful doc, like the human declaration of, like the declaration of human rights has the conventions on the rights of the child. It's spelled out. It's really wonderful to have it around the world as age appropriate levels, like hang it in our classroom, put it next to my lesson plan. Like I'm thinking all the time about how are these human beings in our, in our community being welcomed to learning in a way that, that meets them where they're at. That, that recognizes the dignity they have as young people growing into adults in our community. And so that's very different. And we have lots of evidence in this, especially in academia, right, Tim? That's very different than the sort of carceral model of education in the school to prison nexus that is most schools. Well, that's what earlier when Tim gave us the opportunity to talk about what we do and, and we sidestepped it. Really, what, <laughs> what Hallie and I do is we have designed an educational model that is fully supportive of the regulation of the human nervous system. Uh-huh. So that could sound like gobbledygook, but it actually oh. fits with what you were talking about with human rights. Yes. We ensure that that every step of our day, it's like detailed, supports the the human nervous system regulation of students. Now that doesn't mean like things are perfect mm-hmm, and this mm-hmm. and that, but that's always the choice in our head of like what's the most regulating thing here? How do we build the skill toward regulation? And we're very deliberate in 
learning this with our students. Like mm-hmm. they use the language too, you know, so it's not like some like seek sleight of hand. Like they're aware that what we're here to do is say life is stressful. We've got all this stuff on the outside from uh, our nutrition to technology to just our environment kind of coming at our nervous system as it is. And Mm -hmm. so how do we make sure that when you're in school and when you're in our care and when we really want to help you develop, you know, Mm -hmm. to your greatest potential, that we're going to support your nervous system so that we can we can get to that and so we give our students what we call the right to regulation and we mean nervous system regulation Mm -hmm. and very simply it includes three things we say you know you our students have the right to a regulated school environment meaning really kind of the sensory and environmental things Mm -hmm. they have a right to regulated adults which means that Hallie and I work very hard to be regulated ourselves um, <laughs> so that the, the kids have access to that. And then third, they have a right to classroom practices and school policies that support their regulation. We make that guarantee. We design everything around that. And so we do kind of live in peace and productivity mm-hmm. with our students. Joanna, think about this, right? Remember when you th- started asking me m- my thoughts on, quote, you know, regulation? And I was like, yeah. I think it's horrible. I mean, I think right. we're over reg Because I went right to truly going, you know, government regulation, yeah, compliance. He I like I heard, I yeah. heard regulation as compliance. I didn't even yep. begin to have that conversation of going, oh, wait. You don't mean that kind of regulation. Yeah, no, and we so, talk about nervous system regulation and and really not even the the extremes like you're talking about, Johnny, but really everybody in a school right now is pretty dysregulated. And again, we don't say that. That's not a diss or a judgment. No. It's just yeah. a what is, you know, and so we use this whole, you know, like many, you know, we have a scale zero to ten, zero being very peaceful, ten being very dysregulated. And we're saying that everything in a school is designed assumes. Uh, and assumes that people are at a three, four, which is that healthy level of stress. And really, Ugh. everybody's at seven, eight, nine. And so mm-hmm. our thing is like job number one is regulate. Mm-hmm. And um, but again, and, and our, our adults don't realize where they're at. So there is there's this aspect, oh, like you said, in teacher education of not giving the language um, we've got it. We we've got it, it. And that's what though we try to share with our colleagues. But it, it's, you know, it's it's different. Right. Because, again, the system says you're the teacher. You're in control. You know everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, we're like oh, and, and how humanizing and deep the connection, though, is, you know, like, I mean, nearly every day. Right. I tell the kids I'm like, I'm dysregulated, too. Mm-hmm. I'm in yep. this with you guys like. I had a hard time getting up this morning. You know, we're all in it, you guys. We're going through this. In case somebody gets lost in the jargon or something like that, I'm just breaking it down. It sounds to me like you're saying students, your students, have the right to be human. And you as teachers have the right to be humans. And the combination of connectedness between you as teacher as a human and child and student as human is that 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 kind of harmony, that ability 
to be able to operate. Yeah, and we work with high school kids. They're very into power with. Like when you'll say like, what's the thing you appreciate most about our school? They are like power with. We like that you're with us, that we work together, that you're not just trying to be an authority over us. I, you know what, I, I, I love, man, this discussion, we can go on. I want to try to bring it around here and, uh, you know, kind of maybe close our first combined podcast extraordinaire, Busted Pencils <laughs> and Educators Amplified. But, you know, we started with the question, uh, true or false, about, you know, the, the biggest problem is access to high quality materials that really led us into a discussion about the system um, and the system itself being a problem and then the teachers and teachers health and I just wrap trying to wrap this around and saying so if we're really really thinking about problem solving we need to be deeply invested into looking at the system to maybe think about how we should change the system because the other part of what I'm hearing is is that it's it's no surprise that we have the things that are happening because the system as Johnny said of schooling is has become so divorced from the human experience of learning and education uh-huh. that why are we surprised and then you add that in and go most teachers we'll say most maybe all got into this not to quote follow the orders to follow compliance to enact mandated compliance Mm -hmm. they've got in this to help elevate humans to make a better world and so the fact that they're in and hallie you said it that we're seeing a teacher exodus the exodus is really an indication of the demoralization because teachers no longer are able to have that agency to enact that human connection to bring out and help learning to help engagement to make a better system my goodness the case for democracy here, it sounds like uh, public schools really do matter. Mm-hmm. Teachers really matter. Mm-hmm. And if we want to get our act together, it's not even really about solving the teacher shortage. If we solve the teacher shortage, we're actually going to mm-hmm. have to rewrite a system. And if we do that, we might actually have a chance of regaining regulation if we want to use that word or <laughs> regaining the human connection i don't know johnny looping up maybe too high maybe a little too highfalutin um let's let's try to wrap up the show here uh in two sentences johnny final thoughts i mean there's a lot to think about and i'm excited and i'm still really honored to hear about the the school that that Hallie and joanna are describing um because when just think about at its core how we can be well together mm-hmm. and how we can unlearn all the things we've learned about what success means and how we're not normal, how we're not okay. And, and, and with so much suffering going on in the world, especially mm-hmm. for our young people, our nervous systems are almost always activated in ways that are fundamentally unhealthy for us. And they just contribute to what we're talking about before, Tim, about the violences, both the physical and emotional violences associated with going to school. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it, every teacher that begins to face that in what we'll call like most of schools around our country, really around the world, but they go into schools. And at a certain point, you can't walk through a school without your throat really tightening up because you're witnessing constant violence against children. And, and one 
infringement of rights after another. And so to hear of schools that center children that way and empower them through the most, really to me, the fundamentally most empowering thing we have is our self-regulation and our ability to connect with others in peace and balance. Peace is not passivity. It is active. Mm -hmm. Be engaged in self-regulating and as a group, community regulating through non-authoritarian ways. I have a new sense of hope and joy for a transformation from what is schooling to really healthy education, to being present at the, the birth of ideas in young people. And what an empowering way, no matter where they go, right? College, community, into careers, um, that, to have that skill as a future citizen in any community is going to, I mean, eliminate so many injustices for them in the future. And so that's where I'm at, Tim. My sum is just like I'm over, overwhelmed with hope and joy hearing about the, the education happening um, for the students and for the teachers that work with Hallie and Joanna. <laughs> oh, man, Joanna and Hallie, you guys got to be <laughs> blushing back there in Milwaukee. <laughs> we're cackling. Yeah, no, we're so I nice. hear that. It makes me think about, to put it succinctly, instead of the school to prison pipeline, we want the school to peace pipeline. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> Boy, Hallie summed up Johnny in, in, in a few little words there. Took John, I said Johnny two sentences. He went on for a I know, I was minutes there, starting but. to count, and then I lost track. <laughs> <laughs> Hallie just sums it right up. It's yeah. like school to pee. Okay, uh, Joanna. Uh, final thoughts I just always think the the conversation is powerful the connections getting it out here mm -hmm. again something that we find through educators amplified is you know the the statistics I guess are true like 80% of parents or the public trust in in teachers mm -hmm. they're surprised to learn that teachers don't have a lot of autonomy and um yeah. you know agency and so i don't know something about our conversation today has me thinking about that and hopeful for our audience that listens that again you really can trust you know so we do we talked about like violence and harm and you know we we're talking like you know not actual violence and actual harm um right. but Physical. you know so on one hand it's not like don't don't be in fear and alarm like we can trust in our educators. We have to build a system around them that that is centered around what they know professionally and is centered around the needs of students. And so instead of wires getting crossed, like the public trust is there. The majority of the kids are in the public schools. It's just, let's open our eyes to how it's actually operating right now. And, and again, make that shift. It'll feel good. It'll benefit all of us. Man, this, uh, you know, going to use the busted pencils tagline. This truly was educated educators <laughs> talking education. And we'll throw in there. And my goodness, we are amplified. Joanna, Johnny, Hallie. Thanks. Man, what a great show. Mm -hmm. I am Dr. Tim Slecker, and I am out.
thank you so much, Johnny. Thank you so much, Tim. This has been so great. Um, and we just want to hear from everybody else. Like, what did you all think? What stuck out to you? You know, Joanna, I'll be honest with you. Like, <laughs> leaving that conversation with them, I kind of have chills and feel hope, kind of like what Johnny was saying, that it just felt like a really great natural collaboration. Now, I'm going to keep using that darn word, but, <laughs> you know, a just... meaningful connection. There you go. Connection <laughs> of, you're right, two people who are in the higher education field, you and I who are in the K-12 field, um, but all really advocating speaking for or speaking about what's best for children. Right, the rights of children, mm-hmm. you know, this human-centered school experience. Yeah, I couldn't gr- agree more. I always enjoy the opportunity to connect with the Busted Pencils crew. I always really Love the way that Tim can frame things and ask the compelling questions. Mm -hmm. Johnny has just such a beautiful perspective Mm -hmm. on what the essence of education and schooling and how it can contribute to our world. And so I always am just honored, grateful to to be associated with the Busted Pencils crew. Yeah. So thank you to Tim and Johnny again. Um, And thank you to all of you for listening to that today. Please let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Educators Amplified. You could email us at educatorsamplified at gmail.com. Whichever way works best for you, let us know. Like it, share it, all that good stuff. Let us know what you're thinking out here. We want to keep amplifying you, amplifying what's going on, and take care of yourselves. Thank you. End of the school year is near. (laughs) You got this. Educators Amplified, the podcast, is recorded at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Theme music composed by Josh Everett with original music by DJ Drip Sweat. Thank you to our sponsor, WEA Academy. Educators Amplified. The podcast.